A spooky, deserted mansion. Halloween night. All right, dudes! And it does. That's pretty! Ten kids. All they want to do is raise a little hell. Now, as long as they live, they'll wonder what's gotten into them. Night of the Demons. Blessed be the sinners, for the Day of Atonement is at hand. Stop looking at me! Welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. I am Brandon Ford, and this is the first of what I hope to be many, many bonus episodes. These episodes are commentaries that were originally recorded for my first podcast, B-Movie Bonanza, which was available exclusively on Vimeo and YouTube. Originally, I wanted to start uploading the handful of episodes that were never published. Uh, There's about four or five of them that I never got to upload because things had shifted pretty drastically as far as my vision was concerned and I simply could not do the podcast anymore at least not in the way that I had grown accustomed to doing it over the course of the three or two or three years that I'd been doing it anyway um, I'm hoping that this will be an every Thursday thing which will be smack dab in the middle of the week Um, at least in the middle of new episodes of the podcast. Um, This is a very special episode because this is Halloween. And because it's Halloween, I decided to scrap the idea of uploading an unheard episode in favor of one of the best horror films, Halloween horror films of all time, one of my absolute favorites, Night of the Demons. And um, yeah, I don't think the film needs 
much of an introduction. It's well-known, well-loved by many members of the horror community, many fans of the horror, of the horror genre. So, yeah, um, I guess I should get some plugs out of the way. Um, please don't forget to check out my books available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. Uh, you can check them out on Amazon and Audible. All you have to do is search uh, for Brandon Ford and check out some titles like Dreams of Sharp Teeth, Plaything, Coffee at Midnight, Open Wounds, Decayed Etchings, The Facility, uh, so on and so forth. If you like the movies I do commentaries for, chances are you'll probably like the stories I tell. Also, I guess this is the first time I'm making this announcement publicly, but I have a new book coming out very, very soon. It is titled The Mystery of Kelly Christopher. It is a novel written by a horror fanboy about horror fanboys for horror fanboys. So I hope you guys will check it out and enjoy. So without further ado, let's get into Night of the Demons. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh my god, it is so weird to watch this movie with the MGM logo at the beginning of it. I meant to say something about that in the Sleepaway Camp 2 episode, but I forgot. Anyway, hi, this is Brandon Ford of bfmovies.blogspot.com, and welcome to another edition of Brandon's B-Movie Bonanza. Tonight we are watching the 1988 cult classic, Night of the Demons. I refer to a lot of the movies I dedicate episodes to uh, as classics because a lot of them are classics to me, even if they aren't classics to others. But I think a lot of people would agree that this is for sure a classic and before i forget because i so often do let me say that i am watching the scream factory edition which runs one hour 30 minutes and one second i think that there's a few extra seconds due to that uh mgm logo, which again, it's so odd to watch Night of the Demons with the MGM line. Um, okay, so we are going through the 
is a pretty pretty cool opening title sequence I must say and I think it still holds up um, this music on the other hand I was never a fan of even way back in the day like when I first saw I remember being like 12 or 13 watching this like this is like in the early to mid 90s and like I'm not even talking about the first time I saw it but I'm just talking about watching it in general as a kid and thinking wow this music is really cheesy and sounds really really dated but um yeah I'm not, I'm not a fan but other than that the movie is top notch definitely for sure one of my favorites and um, I'm really not a big uh, zombie person. I mean, ugh, demons person. <laughs> kind of got screwed up there. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, demons person. I don't watch a lot of movies dealing with the supernatural. I prefer to stay in the real world. Um, but every so often something like this slips through the cracks and reels me in uh, due to a compelling story or recognizable cast or whatever or uh, not even not so much anymore but you know way back when horror movies were actually good um I'm there's a an awful lot of stuff out there about the movie uh, as far as trivia is concerned especially with the uh, comprehensive retrospective that's on the blu-ray slash dvd that screen factory put together which is a really really excellent um retrospective i must say um so uh, i really don't want to rehash a lot of or any of what uh, other people have said and um, facts and anecdotes and bits of trivia that are already well known because neither, neither the demons franchise already has or has always had a pretty decent following fan base so there's there's not too much out there that uh, people don't already know like for example the original title was halloween party um but the people over at um who owns halloween mustafa akad's I whatever whoever they are I know the Akkad people um, sent a uh, cease and desist because they did not want the uh, movie having the word Halloween in it which I think is first and foremost uh, a bullshit because guess what uh, Akkad's you don't own the holiday. That's like it's writing a letter to somebody and being like, "Yeah, 
Um, you can't make a movie with Christmas in the title because we own the holiday. And I know I sound like an ass, like I hate the Halloween series, which I don't. I am actually a big fan of this Halloween series, but that I didn't care for. However, on the flip side of the coin, I'm glad something fell behind me and I have no idea what it was. It's probably Night of the Demons here, too, in the B-Movie Bonanza Studios. Um, wow. Um, yeah, I'm glad that they demanded the, the title change because Halloween Party is a really bland title. It's very bland. It's very boring. Night of the Demons, I think, is a much, much, much better title. Goes with the movie much, much, much better. Um, I can understand the hesitation with, uh, using the title because there was already a Night of the Demon, singular, released in the 70s, which I still to this day have never seen. Um, so I don't even know what it's about. I remember watching this with an ex, and as soon as Lance Fenton came on screen, he was like, what year was this made? And I was like 1987. And he's like, that totally looks like the guy from Heather's. I was like, that's because that's him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't, I can't say for sure when I first saw Night of the Demons, um, which is odd for me, because I usually remember what the first time I saw pretty much everything as far as the genre films are concerned. But I don't, I don't remember. I really don't. I do remember that I, I, I enjoying it enough the first time. I do remember. Okay. All right, here's how the, the, the story goes. <laughs> I make it sound like this is some like, urban legend or something even remotely interesting because, but believe me, it's not. But um, I must have been, let's say, under 13 the first time I saw it. I rented it from the mom and pop, which comes up at some point during every single episode of B-Movie Bonanza. Again, I don't remember when or how old I was. Don't remember my initial reaction to the movie, but I know that I did enjoy it. What I do remember is being about 13. 12 or 13 and it was summertime <clears throat> and I told I, I told a story about a, a friend who was really not so much a friend 
during the commentary for the last slumber party but this is not the same person just so you know you know just so we're not confusing people or facts or I'm not going to name names here but anyway I remember a summer in the early 90s a hot summer night I was with a friend again a friend who was not really a friend a friend of me I don't like to use the word friend of me I don't like um, terms that like either originate or were made popular by uh, sex in the city or conjoined were I don't like it but friend of me I guess is what we will call her and I've had a number of those in my uh, 35 close to 35 years on this planet but anyway I'd spent um, the majority of that summer, or the whole summer, hanging out with this person. This girl. She's a friend of mine. And what we did a lot was play games and hang out up her block. She lived about, um, she lived about three blocks away. I don't, I can't for the life of me remember exactly what happened that night, but I just remember she was really, really mean to me, and she really hurt my feelings, which was not unusual with this particular friend, and I just, I, I, vaguely, I remember her saying, go home, or something nasty to me. And I was very, again, like I said, I was very upset. And I said, I need something to cheer myself. I'm going to cheer myself up. I'm going to go to the video store, which was on the way home. And I immediately went into the horror section. I saw Night of the Demons on the shelf. And I was, ah, Night of the Demons. I remember really liking this before. Let me revisit this. Now, before I get on to the next part of the story, let me tell you something about myself. I do not, by any means, I, this is why I could never be an actor, which was a dream of mine once upon a time. I sound sick. I don't know what's the matter with my voice. <clears throat> Um, I can never be an actor because I don't have a good poker face. I can't hide my emotions even when I think I am. I, ha I don't know what it is, but I have some kind of a tell on my face that allows people to know exactly what I'm feeling. Even when I think I'm... I'm hiding it. I'm either mad or hurt or sad or whatever. People can tell just by looking at me. It's 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 incredible. All they gotta do is look, at, and they don't even look at me very long either. But that's always been the case. 
And I don't know why, but every time it happens, I'm always surprised. <laughs> but anyway, so back to the video store. Pick Night of the Demons up off the shelf. And I remember this very specifically. I went to the front counter. A girl that I knew pretty well. I used to speak to all the time at the video store. She worked there. Her name is Marianne. <clears throat> Excuse me. Her name is Marianne. She was working that night. And I guess... And we used to we used to talk all the time um, when I would go in to rant. We would talk about movies and just stuff in general. I think I, I mentioned her during my commentary for Strip for Action. She was the employee who called to tell me that they had gotten a new Maria Ford movie in because she knew I liked Maria Ford. Um, I guess she saw me come in or I don't know. She had just checked out somebody else but usually when I would go in they would the employees would either be sitting in front of the TV watching a movie or sitting at a desk that they had like because a lot of the time people would be the girls that would work there would be students they'd be like doing homework or whatever <sighs> unnecessary details anyway she was standing at the counter <laughs> and I don't even think I said hello. I just remember, again, I remember this very specifically. I put the box on the counter and like kind of pushed it toward her. And she didn't flinch. Her, I remember her elbows were on the counter and the box kind of nudged her arm, but she didn't flinch. And I looked up and she was just looking at me. And I didn't know what to say. And I remember, again, very specifically, I remember going in a small, confused voice. I remember saying, um, I want that, please. And she just went, Did something wrong? And I said, no. So are you sure? You look, you look like something's wrong. And I said, "No, I'm fine." I really, really wasn't. Um. So yeah, she, she didn't pry, but uh, she got me the the box, and I, I um. Uh, yeah, I, I spent my my evening, my summer night, drowning my sorrows and Night of the Demons. And the movie actually helped me get through. Uh, that should have been probably... I don't Again, I don't remember what the incident was, so it probably wasn't all that deep. But uh, again, this person was not really much of a friend. So that probably should have been the end of our relationship, but it wasn't. I overlooked a lot of things that I really shouldn't have when it came to friends or supposed friends growing up because I was a bit of a pushover. 
Not so much anymore. I cut people out of my life with the drop of a hat. Which is a good and a bad habit, but anyway. So... What else? Oh, let me refer to my notes here. Um, as far as technical stuff is concerned, everybody knows that this was uh, directed by Kevin Tenney. Who is a who's a pretty funny guy and a pretty nice guy too. I've uh, I've co- I, I wouldn't say that I've corresponded with him necessarily, but I have left him um, messages on his wall, and he always responds. And he's very playful, and he's very sarcastic, and he just like has a very dry wit, and um, he's a really cool guy. Um, Who's also done some really, really um, good uh, classics uh, as well. Um, including, as I'm sure you all know, uh, Witchboard and um, Pinocchio's Revenge, which is a very, very underrated movie, I think. Probably because, one, they didn't get it. And I know people, like, look down their nose at me when I say that. Because I say that a lot about high tension. I have a love-hate relationship with high tension. I think there's a lot of really brilliant moments. And believe me, I don't use the word brilliant often. I'm not an Englishman. They throw the word brilliant around left and right over there. But brilliant to me is a very strong word that... um should only be used when um, something really incredible incredible has been accomplished uh, cognitively when you've used your mind to, to, to create something really really wonderful and and really makes you stop and think and just say wow like you know some of the most beautiful pieces of art over the years um so but um yeah that's always bothered me about the english it's like oh what a beautiful uh, sunny day it's brilliant outside no no it's not that's nature the sun shines there's nothing brilliant about it it's just what happens and that was an awful english accent and i'll never do it again Tangent, tangent, tangent. That's what I'm gonna say when I when I when I catch myself going off on a tangent. For those of you who have um, stuck by me, I'm sure both of you <laughs> stuck by me through um, the process of these commentaries. You know, I'm sure are well aware that I go off on many, many, many a tangent. But I do often tend to remember where I was <clears throat> or what I wanted to say. But um, High Tension is a movie that I have a love-hate relationship because, again, there are some pretty brilliant moments in it. But I don't want to get sued. But I'm sure everybody will agree that, that uh, the fact that Alexander Aja 
plagiarized um, Dean Koontz's novel Intensity is not not cool. Um, so I feel kind of guilty. I definitely feel guilty watching it. So it's what I, I would call a guilty pleasure. But I forgive the plagiarism because of the... Why am I talking about... Anyway, um... <laughs> the, um... Pinocchio's Revenge is a movie that I think... Um, falls under the category of underrated or a lot of people hate it because they don't necessarily get it or what um, what uh, Kevin Denny was trying to say with that particular movie and it was a movie that had a misleading title it does, it's a title that really doesn't make any sense I think it should have been released under the original title which was the Pinocchio Syndrome. And I think that would have made things a little bit clearer if you like to um, use your mind a little bit when watching these kinds of movies. Because I know a lot of fans like these movies because you really don't have to use your brain. You just turn your brain off and just enjoy because these are pure entertainment. But... Um, Again, that was a tangent. Uh, this was directed by Kevin Tenney. <laughs> uh, from a screenplay by Joe Augustine. It just sounds weird to say Augustine. I, in my head, growing up, whenever I used to watch it, I always pronounced it Augustine. But, cause, because Augustine just sounds weird. Um, but again, Joe Augustine. And it was released in October of 1988. With a uh, budget of 1.2 million and grossed. What was the gross? Hang on. Uh, 3.1 million. And this was a limited, a very limited theatrical release in the late 80s. I don't know, when I was looking at the trivia um, page on IMDb and they mentioned the, uh, the gross, um, they alluded to this being some ginormous feat, like it, it was, it, because of the limited, again, the limited release and, you know, um, uh, that that it was a huge. A, they said I believe they used the term outrageous. The gross was outrageous. Outrageous in a good way. Um, but movie with a 1.2 million dollar budget, grossing 3.1 million. I don't really think is all that. It's all that good even on a limited release, especially since it was in theaters, uh, th I believe it's throughout the, the, the end of the year. Um, so, I guess it made consistent money, so they kept it in the whatever. 
Um, <clears throat> I don't have a head for business. I'm not in the industry. This is just my opinion. So I could be wrong. I could be right. Whatever. But, um, again, as I've said so many times before, I'm not a professional, nor do I claim to be. I'm just a fan having fun here with these silly little commentaries. Um, the scene here where they're about to have a past life seance. I've never heard of a past life seance before. And I remember during Sorority House Massacre 2, I mentioned that movies involving seances were few and far between. And, um, I mean, in comparison to, I mean, when you, when you, when you weigh subgenre films, horror subgenre films, when you weigh, um, demonic possession slash a seance films to straight slasher films, I mean, it's apples and oranges. I mean, there there are a decent amount, but again, there are few and far between. And <clears throat> I always had a, a soft spot for movies that have a certain plot element, and uh, seances are definitely one of them. I was always intrigued by them, and I talk about that in Sorority House Massacre too, so I won't be talking about that again. But, uh, Yes, I haven't heard that that commentary I talk about, you know, having my own experiences with a Ouija board and blah blah blah. So But um Yeah. And um If you uh if you look very closely in Night of the Demons 2 um, when they have the, the, the seance scene um, when they have the seance uh, I, I was distract, distracted by Angela just going off but um, when they have the seance in the, the Demons 2 and they conjure the demon, they obviously use stock footage from the original Night of the Demons and you see the furnace open and the, and the camera panning throughout the house to, uh, to convey um, the presence of the, uh, of the demon approaching but whoever um, whoever did the editing for Night of the Demons 2 obviously didn't do a very a good enough job because if you look closely um, as you can see the, the flickering of the fire and of the candles it's a quick glimpse um, of the of the party that's going on now when uh, when uh, the demon 
or demon um, enters the uh, or is awakened rather. So yeah, they probably it w today they could have CGI that shit out so fucking fast. But in 1994, with a movie like Night of the Demons 2, with a modest budget, I guess that was the best they could do. But it always kind of bugged me. I mean, like, um, you know. And here we go. We're about to see the scene now. Um. I should have researched this, but again, I always think of things that I, I, I wanted to look up after the fact, or while I'm in the middle, while I'm in the midst of doing a commentary, but I, I, I wondered if, the, if it was the same house in part two. I'm pretty sure it is. I think so. Um, the stairwell looks the same. Um, uh, it's difficult to say. Well, you know what? I don't know. I wonder if that's information out there. With part three, it's, uh, pretty obvious that it's not the same house. Doesn't even look like the same house doesn't so much as come close and that really kind of but I remember the first time I saw part three and they pulled up outside Hull House I was like really this is supposed to be no it's not and here we have the demon the demon went into uh, Linnea I wonder if it was this, if it was similar. I mean, if it, if it was similar. I wonder if it was intentional. Um, in Sorority House Massacre Two, with uh, when uh, the the demon is unleashed, that the uh, the the fire kind of roars. Because um, they do the same thing. Um, it wouldn't surprise me because when Jim Wynorski is obviously a fan of the genre and is, has done a lot of little homages here and there um, throughout his filmmaking career with his extended filmography. But... I want to, there, there's something that I want to, I want to say, but I'm going to choose my words very carefully because I don't want to offend anybody, but there is a so-called stereotype in the horror slash slasher uh, film um, in, in horror and slasher culture. <clears throat> that being that... <clears throat> I don't know what's wrong with my voice tonight. Probably should have some chamomile. But there is an 
alleged cliche that the black guy is always the one that dies first. And that's not true. And I can clearly, I mean, I can, I can say that as something of an expert because I grew up on these movies. I've seen hundreds of them. I know a lot of them inside and out. And I can't think of one slasher movie where the black guy is the first victim. Not one. The only movie that comes to mind, and it's not even a, a, a slasher movie, it's kind of a supernatural, and that is A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Um, Kincaid. Played by, um... Actor whose name is not coming to mind. <laughs> but, um... Kincaid is the first to die. However... I don't think it had anything to do with the color of his skin. It had everything to do with the fact that he, Kristen, and Joey survived the last film, so Freddy was gunning for them. Freddy, they were the first three to die because they were the first, they were the, they were the last to survive. Well, excluding uh, Craig Watson's character. He lives, doesn't he? He lives. Um, but yeah, of the teenagers, they survive. So, uh, yeah, of course, Freddy, upon his resurrection, was gunning for them. So, but anyway, I bring that up because whenever I think of that stereotype or that alleged stereotype or cliche, or alleged cliche. I'm doing air quotes here, even though nobody can see him. I always think of Night of the Demons because the black guy is the hero at the end of the movie. Um, he, spoiler alert, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen, I'm sure you've seen um, this movie before, but um, as I'm sure everybody out there knows, Raj, play, who is the African-American um, character in the film, saves Kathy Podwell's character. Um, um, what the fuck is her name? I don't feel like IMDb in it. Anyway, he saves Kathy Podewell. And they are the two survivors of the film. And it kind of bugged me because in the, um, in the retrospective for Night of the Demons, um, the actor who plays Raj in his interview 
makes a comment about how it was surprising that the black guy actually survives the movie or wasn't the first to die or something like that. Um, but there are no racial stereotypes in horror films. Just about as many black people as white people and Asian people and Hispanic people die as any other race. I don't think a maniacs wearing ski masks discriminate if you are a living, breathing entity, especially if you're a teenager, especially if you're having sex, you're going to get an axe to the face. So, I know I probably offended somebody, and if I did, it was unintentional, but it's just, it's just the way things are. So, anywho, um, we have to, uh, Jill Tereshita, who I'm sure everybody knows from Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland, she played A-Rab. Her death, I thought, was one of the nastiest in, um, in Sleepaway Camp 3. I think they were kind of making up for the fact that she just gets her neck snapped in here. They're like, you got away a little too easily. We're going to have to chop your head off <laughs> in Sleepaway Camp 3. But, um... Um... There's something else that I wanted to talk about, not even because I really feel that it is of any real importance, because to me I think it's something that should just be forgotten, and that is the Night of the Demons remake. Again, I'm doing remake in air quotes. Um, yeah, not a good movie. Mm -mm. Not a good movie. There were a lot of things that bugged me about it. <clears throat> um, a couple of them being that some of the actors... Alright, well, let me just say this. I can't name names because I don't remember. Because I only watched the thing once. And that was more than enough. I watched the, uh... The documentary or featurette or behind the scenes or whatever you uh, call it on the DVD once. Again, that was more than enough. But I do remember that... A lot of the actors in the movie, I know there were a couple that did like the original Night of the Demons and were fans of it and grew up on it, but I know there were others who never seen it, didn't even know that there was an original. You know, I mean, if you're doing a remake of a movie, that was something that pissed me off too with, um, with, um, fuck, what is her name? The girl from, um, 
the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Her name will probably come to me before I get to Cassidy, Katie Cassidy. I remember when um when neither the demons when A Nightmare on Elm Street was about to come out. I remember there was a TMZ video clip of her like walking on the street or whatever, and they were like, "Hey, Katie, did you?" Um, grow up on Nightmare on Elm Street, do you like Freddy Krueger? And she just looked at the camera and was like, oh, I haven't seen it. Really? Okay, first of all, how the fuck could you not have seen a Nightmare on Elm Street if you're a millennial? How could you have not seen a Nightmare on Elm Street? And secondly, why wouldn't you watch the original if you're participating in the remake? It doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't you want to know what is being kept and what is being changed and if your character is um is uh being used in the uh in the remake wouldn't you want to know how that character the actor who played that character portrayed that character and do everything you could not to emulate that performance there's just on and on and on questions and shit that bugs me about that or bugged me about that with regard to Night of the Demons 2009 in particular even Adam Gearish I think saw the, the original Night of the Demons once and <clears throat> I think the only real thing that he knew that he had to include in the the remake that has any real association with the uh, with the original is the infamous lipstick scene which um, in the 2009 doesn't compare at all nowhere near as effective as Linnea's scene in the original but um and there's a the hostess is named Angela but um and I always and I, I remember reading the uh this is a line I love that line what would you, you do flush yourself down the fucking toilet um <laughs> I love Stooge. Um, but, uh, what was I saying? Okay, oh, I remember back in 2009, I was still in my fanboy stage, stage, which I've since grown out of, and I was reading all the news and updates regarding the uh, remake, and I do remember reading the synopsis and thinking, what the fuck? Broussard Mansion? They're not even calling it Hull House? Really? What the fuck? Oh, it was kind of bullshit. And I remember one thing that I was just like, huh? Was the whole thing that, um... Um, I guess they were trying to go for something unique and original as far as a, a horror movie element which was the, the skeleton bite 
Oh no, he's got a skeleton by and they like I think there's like some some kind of a um mythos about skeleton bites or something that they created for the movie. I don't fucking remember and I really don't care to remember because the movie was I'm not going to say it was a piece of shit, but it's not a good movie. I do remember expecting it to be absolutely abysmal, but when I saw it, it wasn't, granted, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't a good movie, and I'm sure if Kevin Tenney had nothing to do with it, he produced it, he wouldn't have anything nice to say. But with him, his being a part of it, I can't really imagine that he had much of a hand in it because um, it doesn't seem at all like a Kevin Tenney movie or like Kevin Tenney's original vision. Um... Again, I'm just, I'm barely even talking about what's on the screen. I'm just going off on tangent, tangent, tangent. But I like to do it this way um, as well as talk about the story arc and what's happening on screen because it doesn't make it absolutely. Oh, here we have the infamous dance. It's one of the best scenes in the movie. Um, because it doesn't make it absolutely necessary to watch the movie along with me. You can just listen to my nonsense. But for sure, this is one of the best scenes in the movie. And <sighs> what was I saying? Okay. Well, God, now I have like a, a clusterfuck of shit that I want to talk about all at once. I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something, but, um, yeah, the skeleton bite was bullshit, the remake was bullshit, the only good things about the Night of the Demons remake were A, Tiffany Shepis and Linnea's cameo. And speaking of Tiffany Shepes, I have a quick story about her. Um, she is awesome, and she is probably one of the, cool, the coolest people you'll ever meet in your entire life. She's just a really, really cool, cool chick. Um, very nice, very down to earth. Um, I know somebody who actually hung out with her. I'd, I've never actually met her in the flesh, but I have spoken to her on the phone. I'll get to that in a second. But I know somebody that partied with her, and she parties hard, and she's just a total badass, and she rocks. But, um, and if you're listening, hey Tiff. But <clears throat> several years ago, there was going to be an adaptation of one of my books which I don't want to 
I don't want to say which one because I don't want to step on any toes because I wasn't really happy. I have a whole essay that I wrote about the experience that I plan to publish somewhere at some point, a blog or whatever, but anywho, there was going to be an adaptation of one of my books around the time, or, um, it was around the time, it was after, after the Night of the Demons remake had been filmed. And it was being edited, it hadn't come out yet, I hadn't seen it. And so things are being, while that was being edited, things are being put together for this adaptation of my book. And it just so happened that Tiffany read the book, liked the book, had some very, very complimentary things to say about it, and she and another, and an independent filmmaker were trying to get financing together to, to do an adaptation of the book. And I don't remember specifically what what came about but I think I, I emailed her to, to introduce myself or to ask her something about the script or something like that and she responded right away and just said Brandon call me whenever you can and there's her phone number and <laughs> yeah needless to say I just about to uh, lost my shit because again I was a, a big fan even before this and I was very very excited that she was going to be involved in the making of this uh, my book and um, I was going to be talking to her on the phone I remember it was New Year's Eve too I remember this New Year's Eve I think uh, 2008 going into 2009. New Year's Eve, we talked on the phone. I, well, well, she sent me the email, and I remember. <laughs> I was so ridiculously nervous, and I was a smoker at the time, and not anymore. But I remember chain smoking, and pacing and like trying to psych myself up to it because I was like in full panic mode. I was like, oh fuck, Tiffany Sheppard, she's the coolest. I'm gonna sound like a total dork. And it took me probably a half hour, 45 minutes to work up the nerve to, to call her. And I did. And uh, she picked up and I went, hi Tiffany and she just goes yo and I was like oh my god you're the coolest in my head and um um <laughs> I said hi this is Brandon I got your email and she was very nice she was like Brandon what's up and um I was gonna try to hold it together but I, <laughs> I didn't 
didn't do it very good job because I remember saying something like, like, um, oh my god, I'm like totally having a nerdgasm right now because I'm such a fan. Or I said something along those lines, and her response was, "What?" <laughs> But um, she was really awesome. Anyway, we we got to talking about um, about the about the movie adaptation of my book, and uh, then we got to talking about uh, Night of the Demons. Um, and I knew that um, Shannon Elizabeth was cast. I didn't know that she was playing Angela. I didn't know really who was playing who, and I, I think that was kind of under under wraps. Is that the phrase I'm looking for? It, it, it wasn't revealed, is what I'm trying to say. I don't think it was revealed at that time yet who who was playing who. I knew who was involved in the cast, but I didn't know who was playing who. But, so we got to talking about it, and I'm pretty sure she's had some 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 good things to say Maybe. about the the movie and about the experience, even though she has this tiny tiny little part. That was what one of the main things that pissed me off when I saw it because I thought she had a much bigger bigger role in the movie. I thought she would be one of the key players, but she wasn't, and that was kind of bullshit. But. Um, so we got talking about it, and um, she mentioned Shannon Elizabeth, and she said something about, you know, God, I'm probably going to cause a war. She didn't say anything bad. She just said, you know, Shannon Elizabeth is cool and everything, but I would have gone a different route um, as far as casting was concerned. And I was like, oh. I like Shannon Elizabeth. I think she's. I, I've liked her and other stuff. And she was like, "Yeah, <clears throat> I like I like her too." But um, Amelia Kincaid was all cool, and she was like goth, and she had that makeup and the black wedding dress and the crucifix earrings and blah blah blah. And I was like, "Wait, wait, what? Sh Shannon Elizabeth playing Angela?" And I remember her just going, yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah. I don't know if I could see that. And she's like, yeah. It's not... She's like, it's not who I would have chosen for the role. Um, but, uh... So yeah, there's that. Um... And yeah, it was New Year's Eve, and she, I remember she asked me what I was doing, and I'm a homebody, reclusive, introvert, socially awkward, homebody, whatever. So, um, <clears throat> I was just like, you know. I'm staying in tonight. I'm just having a very low-key night. Not gonna drink. I'm not. I, I'm not a drink. Much of a drinker. I wasn't 
I used to be a drinker. I was kind of like starting to distance myself from drinking at that time. I like kind of, not that it, it's impossible to say I don't drink without people thinking that you had a previous drinking problem, which I didn't. I did drink once upon a time, but I just lost interest in it. And by that, the, around that time is when it was starting to materialize. Now, I mean, I would have an occasional beer back then. Now I don't drink alcohol at all anymore. I just have no, I just lost the taste for it. Um, so I said to her, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm having a low-key night. I might just watch some movies, watch the ball drop. That's about it. I was like, how about you? What are you up to? And, um, she said that she and her mom and her daughter had, uh, rented a hotel room and we're just going to have a, a cool um, night together having room service and just chilling out and relaxing and just having fun. It sounded really nice and... Her daughter, who I think was about four at the time, was in the background and she was trying to get her attention because she wanted to show her pictures she had drawn and it was just a really, really nice conversation. And uh, it made me, it made me uh, admire and appreciate her more. Um, and to be perfectly honest, when the movie fell through, it was disappointing in general, but it was more disappointing that I wouldn't see Tiffany in a role that I'd created, a, a character that I'd written. So I remember for a while after the fact, when I realized, you know, it's not going to happen because we couldn't get financing, or they couldn't get financing. I had nothing to do with anything. They couldn't get financing together, um, and I knew that it was going to happen. It was it was kind of hard for me to. I, I'm I didn't sigh like that because I'm getting emotional. I'm just talking too much and I'm getting kind of winded. Um, it was it was uh, it was kind of hard for me to watch her movies for a while after that because I was it just kind of made me sad because it was like I would I, it was impossible for me to watch Tiffany without thinking about um, about what could have been and how awesome it would have been and I remember watching the. Uh, unconventional documentary uh, which is supposed to be about uh, conventions but focuses primarily on Tiffany and I remember watching it and it was being it was kind of bittersweet left me kind of melancholy because again I got to thinking about about the movie that could have been and never was and whatever but I still think she's awesome so there's my Tiffany Shepis story and my rant about the United Demons remake
had to take, <clears throat> excuse me, I had to take a really long um, gulp of water there because I don't know why, but I can't get my voice together tonight. <clears throat> um, <laughs> there's so much going on on the screen that I'm not even commenting on because I'm not paying attention to it because I don't even have the window open. There we go. Uh, I love the scene with Angela going down the hall on roller skates where she's gliding. It's a great shot. Um, there, as I'm sure all of you knew, was or is an unrated version of, uh, of the movie. And I'm not, I'm, I think, I cannot say for sure, but I think I saw it for sale on VHS a long time ago at uh, Tower Records or something like that. And I immediately knew that it wasn't the unrated version because it didn't have that that unrated version uh, stamp, seal, whatever, on the cover that the old um, VHS had. And I was when I while I was looking at the trivia on the IMDb page earlier, there was something about the scene in which Angela bites off Stooge's tongue that while I was reading it, it kind of like triggered a memory or what I think was a memory. I could totally be making this up in my head or just remembering this wrong, but I vaguely, vaguely remember uh, seeing the R-rated version on uh, cable. I don't remember which channel. Might have been the movie channel. Might have been cinema. I think it might have been cinema. <clears throat> but um, one thing that I again, I could totally just be making this up in my head. But I remember watching, flipping through channels, watching it on TV, and seeing that scene where she bites off Stooge's tongue. And if I recall correctly, and I'm not sure that I do, so don't, you know, send me hate mail. <laughs> like anybody's gonna bother to email me. But, um, vaguely. I remember in the R-rated version, Angela does not spit the tongue out at him. And that is, that is all I remember. I think. 
Yep. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Thank heaven for water pipes. But, um... Yeah, there must have been an R-rated version released on video because otherwise Blockbuster wouldn't have carried it. And I'm pretty sure my Blockbuster did, um, did carry all three. I remember, I, I'm sure I mentioned this before, but growing up, because I was such a movie fanatic, I... Whenever I would buy a new VHS, I had to always unwrap the cellophane and look at the cassette shell and the label before I even got home. Like I would be either walking home or I would be in the car and I would just peel it off because I just had to look at it. I was just obsessed with how the typeface looked on the label and just looked at just looking at the at the uh the videotape behind the little window i was just a little weirdo like that. i just had to had to do that and blockbuster for those of you who remember used to have their the actual vhs uh, tape on the shelf behind the box art my mom and pop didn't do that. My mom and pop had the actual tapes in a back room behind the counter, which is what I'm sure a lot of independents did. And they just had the, the boxes on the shelves on the floor. But I do remember a lot of the time when I would go to, to Blockbuster, if there was a certain, it wouldn't be all of them, I wasn't a freak. But, um, <laughs> with, like, certain movies that I liked, I remember I would just, if I didn't own the original version, um, if I just, like, had a dupe or whatever, I would, I would open the clamshell and I would just look at the label on the tape. And I remember how fucking weird it was to, to see the Paramount, um, logo... And the Paramount label on, on Night of the Demons 3. Because, uh, for some fucking reason. Did Paramount have anything to do with Republic Pictures? Because I have no idea. But I remember they had a Paramount uh, VHS. And I remember, with a lot of movies that Paramount released on VHS way back in the day they wouldn't um, include the the artwork uh, typeface of the title on the sticker uh, label on the uh, on the between the, the, the tape windows and on the uh, side they would just use a very generic Times New Romanesque font that would be uh, brown and I remember how weird it looked to see Night of the Demons printed in just a plain you know generic uh, typeface um, because you know I'm so used to seeing seeing it uh, with the famous logo 
Um, but I also remember what made it so weird, too, in addition to this, was it was Night of the Demons Roman numeral 3. When, as I'm sure everybody knows, both Night of the Demons 2 and Night of the Demons 3 both had numbers in their title. They didn't do the Roman numeral thing. They just had uh, Night of the Demons uh, 2 and Night of the Demons uh, 3. But for some reason, Paramount decided to use Roman numeral 3. Cheap ass styrofoam <laughs> tombstone. But I have spoken so little. Oh, another thing. I remember this is just coming back to me. I do. Yep, I do. See, I remember it now. I remember I did. That was not a phantom memory. I do remember about the R-rated version being shown on cable because I do remember all in addition to Angela not spitting out the tongue in the R-rated version the last scene of the movie with the old man eating the apple pie with the razor blades in it that was censored you don't actually see the razor blades slice through his throat and all the blood spilling out. You just see his reaction, um, him throw his head back and like kind of clutch his throat and then falls face first into the pie. But all the stuff with the, the gory, gory stuff was not, was not there. Ha ha, so there we go was not a phantom memory. I think some of that stuff, I mean, as long as you're available, I mean, I mean, as long as the <clears throat> uncensored version is available in an equivalent uh, source i.e. on Blu-ray or DVD or um, a widescreen print um, as long as there are two versions that are equivalent or you know MGM used to do the R-rated and the unrated versions for a lot of movies um, you know, the R-rated version would be on one side of the disc and the unrated version would be on the other. Um, and a lot of, uh, New Line DVDs did that too. But New Line kind of went a little crazy because they would have a choice. I remember they did this with the Poison Ivy movies and the 
an embrace of the vampire. You were able to choose either the R-rated or the unrated or and the full frame or widescreen. Um, but as I was trying to say, for nostalgic purposes, you know, I think it's kind of interesting to to see two different cuts of the movie uh, as long as if it's in a similar fashion like as I described with the MGM um, DVDs having the R rated on one side of the disc and the R rated on the other. Um, but uh, I've been um, curious to see the original R-rated VHS that I used to have, or still have actually, of Slumber Party Massacre 3, which is, has a lot of cuts. It's about the, uh, it's uh, 12 minutes shorter than the DVD, which is craziness. Um, you know, the, uh, the R-rated was hour and 15, unrated, 80, and the DVD, even though it says it's the R-rated version, is 87. And that is not something that I picked up on IMDb. I am actually the person who wrote that little bit of trivia on uh, the IMDb page for Slumber Party Massacre 3. I put that there. But I've been curious for a while to see the uh, the um, R-rated version of Slumber Party 3 just for nostalgic purposes because I've seen the movie so many times. I've seen that cut of the movie so many times before, but I haven't seen it. I haven't watched it once since I got the unrated version on VHS, which was in 1998, in the spring of. And I got the R-rated version for the first time on VHS in the fall of 95. God, the things I remember. Mm. But I remember, I don't know where I, I heard this before. It was, a, it was a, a podcast or a commentary, something that a fan, a, a fan or documentary had said that a lot of, well, he had said, and he has known a lot of fans who feel the same way that they prefer the grainy, washed out look of uh, the way the movie um, appeared on VHS. And it would be interesting for companies, if companies like that distributed these kinds of genre movies for fans if they would include a remastered 
widescreen version on one side of the disc and a direct VHS full frame rip on the other side so that you can enjoy it in, in both ways. Um, it's an interesting idea, but I know that if any company ever did do that, which I don't see it happening, I would never, I would never watch the, uh, the VHS quality version, because I think that's kind of pointless, but, um, I thought that was kind of funny, the way the, uh, the skeleton hand touches his, Raj's shoulder. And he freaks out, and then the, the hand pulls back like, ooh. <laughs> it's kind of like, excuse me. I'm just trying to be friendly. But, but um, yeah, we've got another 12 minutes to go, and I've barely said anything about what's going on on the screen. But I like, I would like to think that I've kept you all entertained for these uh, one hour, 18 minutes. I don't get why he's spoken Shakespearean English there. Uh, what the hell was that? Judy is her name, which is why I couldn't, fucking, the name that I couldn't remember. But he, he, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you speaking like you're in Romeo and Juliet? What is, what is that? This is supposed to be funny. Because I'm fine with humorous. Um. Um, the the barbed wire that they climb on that wall I've seen barbed wire like that and I've also seen Barbed wire where I'm sure everybody's seen this But there, there are two kinds of barbed wire um, There are barbed wire like this Which I don't think would be all that difficult to climb I mean you just avoid the points The rest of it's just wire Just don't grab the points But if there were If it was the other kind where it's actual razor blades in a circle of wire that's usually on top of a, a fences yeah then you're really fucked but uh this isn't doesn't look like it would be too bad if you can scale a wall if you're strong enough to scale a wall which i can't even scale a chair <laughs> can't even scale a stool
I'm I'm going to I'm going to nitpick. I'm going to over and and, and go. Well, this isn't really over being over analytical, but I'm, this is definitely for sure nitpicking. But Roger, where you going? Um, just when uh when Roger when Roger gets over the other side of the fence at the wall and you know he decides that he can't let Judy die there in becoming the hero uh, he climbs first of all he climbs back up on the wall in a microsecond but he climbs back up on the side of the wall where there was no barbed wire so how did he get up there Again, you know, don't, don't, don't go into these movies asking those kinds of questions. Just sit back, enjoy the ride, suspension of disbelief. But I do think it's a little ridiculous, the dummy that, that they use for, uh, for Judy. It's quite clearly not a person. Notice now that I've uh, I've run out of anecdotes, I'm actually starting to talk about what's on screen. That effect with the first of all, that fucking demon is weird as hell. The demon in this. And this one is that thing that kind of um, crinkles up and disappears. But in part two, it was that weird little bug. That was odd. I never understood what the hell that little bug. It was like a cross between a, a roach and a newt. I love newts, they're adorable. I want to get a newt. They have just been through the ringer. What did he call them? Rotten bitch trash? Is that what he said? They're all rotten hell. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I, um, I haven't encountered very many. Well, I've encountered some curmudgeons in my day, but I don't think I've encountered very many just nasty old fucks like this guy uh, growing up. I do remember one specific occasion though, where there was a there was an older guy, probably older than this old man here, that lived a few houses down. And I remember being about seven or eight years old, and um, 
sitting on my uh, the bottom the bottom step in front of my house, just sitting out there. I wasn't even doing anything. I was just sitting there. I guess I was bored and nothing to do. And uh, this guy who has long since passed um, walked by, and um, and um, just decided to curse me out. Oh, I have another funny story that I want to get to real quick before um, before the end of the credit. Um, cause speaking, cause uh, speaking of uh, nasty old men. <laughs> I, I remember during that summer that I that I spoke about earlier where the friend I had hurt my feelings. It was that same summer. I was with that same friend. We were on her corner and we were just kind of hanging out talking. And this old man who lived up her, down a few houses down from her, they, he was uh, coming back with his uh, wife or whatever. And uh, he parked his car, got out of the car, and was walking really like creepily past us and just like eyeing us up and down with that I hate kids look on his face. And we locked eyes and I just, I don't know, I guess I was in a mood. I don't know what was wrong with me. I was about 12 at the time. But I just remember going, what are you looking at? And he literally just went, ah, you punk bastard, and just completely flipped out on me. <laughs> and the funny thing was, I don't even think at that age I cracked five feet. I, I was like probably four, I'm a short guy now, but back then I was probably about four, eight. I was a little kid with wire rim glasses and he was calling me a punk, a punk. Oh, that was funny. But that was a uh, that was an inside joke with that friend I remember throughout the summer. Whenever, you know, there was a <laughs> whenever there was a a lull in the conversation, one or both of us would break out of ah you punk bastard. <laughs> okay. That is Night of the Demons. Although you wouldn't know it because I barely spoke about it. Or what was on the screen anyway. But again, I think it's time, as, I, as always, I want to say thank you for spending this time with me. I really appreciate Ooh, the beast. That was kind of frightening in my ear. Um, <laughs> I want to say thank you for spending this time with me and for listening to my my silly little stories and anecdotes and um, memories of, of the movie and all that stuff and uh, please visit the B-Movies Bonanza blog at bfmovies.blogspot.com please visit my uh, my personal blog at writerbrandon4.blogspot.com and uh, follow me on Twitter at Brandon Ford, all one word. Follow me on um, Facebook. Add me on Facebook. Writer Brandon, um, Facebook.com forward slash writer Brandon Ford. And check out my books on Amazon. 
hit the drop down menu, select books, type in Brandon Ford and my author page as well as my title should pop up. Wow, I am just like right down to the wire here as the song is talking about down to the last man. So downward down to the last man and I'm down to the last minute. So this is Brandon Ford saying thanks again and until next time, take care guys.